This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Have you heard of the Great Reset Initiative? Because I hadn't, and then everyone said, what do you mean you haven't heard of it? You're supposed to be a podcaster. So then I had to pretend that I knew all about it. Well, today I interview David Whitehead, who is an online commentator. He deals with a lot of sort of uh, conspiracy kind of things and uh, con- controversial stuff, and then sometimes gets into the UFOE kind of things. He calls himself a truth warrior. Uh, so an interesting man and so the great reset is not exactly like a conspiracy theory thing because i thought it was it sounds like one of those things but it is like a proper thing from the world economic forum it was set up by the prince of wales who's now the king of wales he's the king of the commonwealth or whatever that is england king of england uk i don't know he's king of something and it was to facilitate rebuilding from the global COVID-19 crisis in a way which prioritizes sustainable development. So a lot of it actually sounds quite good. And it was set up by the World Economic Forum Chief Executive Officer Klaus Schwab. Um, and it's all about creating conditions for a stakeholder economy, building in a more resilient, equitable and sustainable way, utilizing environmental, social and governance metrics and harnessing the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution. The idea is like green growth, smarter growth, people being equal, that kind of thing. And it has triggered uh, conspiracy theories, particularly spread by the far ends of the political spectrums, as is often the case. Uh, and, And this is, you know, worth listening to and worth keeping an open mind about because uh, David Whitehead is is very much against the Great Reset. So you're hearing a very partial opinion, uh, but one that nonetheless deserves being listened to. And just be aware there are other sides to this as well. Um, And I hope you enjoy the conversation uh, because I learned quite a lot and found it fascinating. Got some big, big guests, big guests and things coming up. Thank you all for keeping with the podcast. I... I just am very much indebted to you all and appreciate the support. Coming up are conversations about the royals. So like, are the royal family a cult? That's with Dr. Tessa Dunlop. Uh, We get to the the second part of Erin Smith-Levin's journey out of Scientology. We'll be talking about Shelley Miscavige, the the wife of leader David Miscavige of Scientology, who has gone missing. We talk about atheism. I've got Coleman Hughes coming on. I'm actually meeting him in person for that one. Helen Lewis. There's loads and loads of big episodes coming up. But now you're on the edge of the Great Reset with Dave Whitehead. David, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, good, thank you. Well, I've been I got a cold, but I'll stop going on about it. I'll stop. But I'll be I keep muting my mic to to cough while while people talk. So feel free to talk quite a lot. Um so David, tell me um a little bit. You got to be like explaining to an idiot because I don't know anything about anything. Um and so we're going to be talking about like the great reset and Klaus Schwab and uh the fourth industrial revolution. So 
can you talk like like talking to an idiot about what because the thing is about the great reset and i don't know what it is but it's it sort of sets off flags about conspiracy theory stuff in my head so so what what and that's because i'm stupid so tell me what it is please well, you're not stupid if you're thinking on those lines, man. Um, I think it's all pretty obvious at this point. There's no hiding what this agenda really is all about. Um, it's the same old globalization agenda that's been going on with these uh, elites and various groups, think tanks, roundtables, um, NGOs. Uh, there's private people involved. There's people from every sector of society that are pushing for this thing called the Great Reset or the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And all people really need to do is go and look up a book called COVID and the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab, the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, uh, which is located in Davos. It's called the Davos Click or the, the Davos Crowd. And of course, when we're talking the Davos Crowd, we're talking about uh, the people who are looking for a centrally controlled world order or a new world order, as they used to call it. Um, and it's all the same characters. Like you'd hear about this stuff in the conspiracy theory world, or they call it conspiracy theory. I call it conspiracy research at this point, um, where they used to call it the new world order. You know, think of back to George Bush Sr., uh, George Bush Jr., Bill Clinton, uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, Tony Blair. Uh, all of them have been talking about wanting to reshape the world after this new type of model where essentially there won't be governments in the way that we've had them which were localized governments independent nation states right with their own laws cultural backgrounds identity right um you are they're setting up a global enterprise to have top-down control over land resources and wealth and um it's it, there's a whole story. I don't know if you got any questions or anything already, but I'm just, you know, just laying out the fact that this isn't anything that you have to go to conspiracytheory.com to check out. You can go to a website called weforum.org. That is the World Economic Forum's website. And you can just start reading about it. And of course, it's written in a lot of PR language, you know. Um, but when you actually look at the policies they're proposing, this includes the whole idea of transhumanism. Uh, this is openly admitted numerous interviews with Klaus Schwab and people like that, Yoel Harari, who we could talk about, and some of these guys, um, where they're talking about how this Great Reset is a product of the pandemic uh, that opened up an opportunity to reshape the world after a new order that they want to introduce, and they're calling it the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And so it has mm -hmm. fundamental implications for human freedom, for national sovereignty, um, and uh, for the ability for the average person to have a say in, in where the destiny of their nation is going to go. My understanding of transhumanism um, was just, you know, people trying to live longer. Is that not what it is? I think it's a cult, bro. I think it's uh, something that is based in, you know, when, let's look at it like this. There's always been a desire in humans to find ways to live longer, and uh, we've got this technological revolution that's been going on for quite some time. And I'm not, a, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not against technology at all, but I'm curious as to who's at the helm of the control pads um, and how far down the road of wanting to integrate with technology and artificial intelligence created by who, uh, you know, I, I'm very wary about these kinds of things because I'm an advocate for freedom. And I feel that 
there's a sales pitch that's being given to the human race about all the benefits to merging with all this technology, but they're forgetting about the track record of human history. And when you give those kind of control knobs to elite sociopaths who have more money and power than you can imagine as an average person, and you just think about your phone and how many times it crashes or how many updates it needs. And, um, you know, just realizing that the more we go down that path of technology, the la the less human, the less organic human we are going to be. And that's not just me saying it, bro. That's coming right from the architects of this whole concept, right from the transhumanists themselves, right from people like Klaus Schwab and Yoel Harari from the World Economic Forum. Uh, they're talking about a radical transformation not just of your economy, not just of your government, but of what it means to be human. So I'm personally an advocate for using technology to serve humanity. And I don't want to go over that edge where now humanity becomes a slave to this new global technocracy uh, and this new technology. Is this not, as, as depressing as it sounds, is this not inevitable? Is there, is there anything that can stop the wheels in motion? Yeah, we could. We're human beings. We get to choose. Why do we feel like whatever these people say and roll out on their marketing campaigns has to become reality? We as human beings have the ability to co-create this reality. Um, you know, if we want to have a say, we have to start having a say and having a voice and and having these discussions. Um, the fact that they're not they're bypassing all the negatives and they're just jumping right to the positives and really pushing this hard about integrating human beings with nanotechnology, bio surveillance technology, uh, you know, just it's unbelievable. All you got to do if you want to see sort of a snapshot, like a preview of where they want to go with the entire planet is look at what China has done. What's already going down right now in China with the social credit system that they have, the, uh, the, the, the level of surveillance. I don't know if people are really aware of just how refined this technology is and Think about it. You, you say something wrong on the end. We've, we've had a crash test in this. You say something against the, the official organizations or the official narrative on social media. What happens to you? They delete your account. They put you in Facebook jail. They censor you. They shadow ban you. What do you think it's going to be when now Facebook isn't just a website you log into? It's actually integrated into your brain. And you're now uh, participating in a society that is highly controlled and surveilled right down to the infinitesimal degree. I don't think that's a world I want to live in, man. I, that's just not where I'm going. I'm not buying their sales pitch. And I know they're going to sell it on, oh, well, uh, we got new ways that we can help people stop having seizures and we can have all these health applications. But honestly, man, I just think that's smoke and mirrors. That's a sales pitch. Obviously, technology could be used to help with these different health concerns. Um, in the hands of these particular people, I've got some questions. That's just me, though. Yeah, I think I think we saw some really uh, harrowing things over the last few years. Uh, I think the one that stands out for me that sticks in the mind was in Canada. I think with Trudeau and uh, the, you know there's people who are protesting on going on strike, and he just like froze their money and was just like, now you can't eat and live and stuff because you know, and that's technology because before it would have you know I, I guess banks have been around a long time, but you know you, you, now it's so easy a flick of a switch and people can't use their money so that is a, a definite sign of it but but also does this not suggest some sort of um i guess of course you talk about the sociopaths at the top i have no doubt there's a you know it's supposed to be one percent of 
of the of society are sociopathic and almost certainly quite a higher number for people right at the top you know maybe five or ten percent but i suppose everybody would have to collude for for example for technology that goes into someone's brain you'd have to have all the doctors the big doctors and stuff to also be thinking you know we're going to be selling their secrets and stopping them from living do you know what i mean it's too much for me it feels like a lot of collusion it's just called compartmentalization uh if you, it's just a, it's a military term compartmentalization really easily is just the idea that you're on a need to know basis. You're a little, I'm not you. I mean, everybody that's involved in any kind of massive shift like this, everybody is on a need to know basis. They're a cog in a wheel. They know at what they need to know and no more. And a lot of them are believers in, they drank the Kool-Aid of what they were sold. They believe in it. All right. And we just had this whole, I don't know what I, I don't want to say too much because it's YouTube, but we just had this whole situation over the last three years that has really been quite illuminating, hasn't it? Um, you don't need everybody to be a sociopath that just is seeking power and all that kind of stuff to be involved. What I think is more powerful is cult ideology. The, the idea that, um, you know, a lot of these people are just believers. They believe in a utopian future. And that utopian vision, as much as we all want a vision of beauty and utopian or whatever for humanity, that's, that sounds nice always, right? But I'm a student of history. And anybody that's studied history knows that all of the most totalitarian regimes in history have all been started by utopian ideas. And I find that interesting. It's not that the pursuit of, of making life better for humans is wrong. It's that what happens is those people who know how to manipulate that uh, and use it so that they gain more power and control, uh, th they know how to use the right words and, and sell it the right way to get everybody on board. People believe it because they don't really believe in the person or the people doing it. They believe in an idea. And if you can sell people an idea and then go, I'm the one that's going to bring about this idea. Well, look at all the cults, Jim Jones, Process Church of the Final Judgment, Heaven's Gate, uh, all the world religion of all history going back through time. And, uh, you know, I'm not critiquing every one. I'm just saying they've all broken away into these little groups where now we're pitted against each other. And in one sense, you kind of think, well, maybe these guys are just trying to unify all that under one umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, they they, they want to bring everybody under because what's the most ancient desire of all these tyrants and despots and dictators and cult leaders? What is the desire? It's control and it's control over some very specific things. If people want to know what the great conspiracy is, it's the desire to control land, resources and wealth. And it's a very simple equation. If you want to control land, resources and wealth, you have to take control over the people that live on that land that live near or around or control those resources and that actually produce that wealth. And what better way than to sell them utopian visions and kumbaya, unify the world, uh, new technology, life extension. I just see it's, it's a sales pitch for a deeper agenda, but that's just me. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. 
on What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Yeah, it's a it's a, a complicated one, isn't it? I, they didn't drink Kool Aid. They drunk um Flavor Aid and Joan it was Jonestown. Yeah, it was Flavor Aid well, laced with cyanide. It's one of the, the pudding. Remember they put the stuff in this chocolate pudding or whatever. And they yeah. have a way of getting it in there, but you know, the modern Kool Aid is uh yeah. You know, they're putting it right into you. Yeah, it's just funny how it became Kool-Aid. And I don't know what that did in terms of marketing for Kool-Aid. Um, it was probably like, a disaster. I haven't drank Kool-Aid <laughs> since I was like five. I don't know. Since you first heard that. Meanwhile, Flavor-Aid's been doing fantastically. No, I have no idea. And, and you know, cyanide was the other thing inside there, of course. Um, but, but, but you know, I, I get what you're saying. And it's the same thing of selling with the Kumbaya. That's what Jonestown was about, all this kind of utopian vision and everything. Um, it's just a hard one because a lot of these cult leaders are true believers themselves. And they've got that cognitive dissonance. It's like part of them wants the power and part of them's going, no, I believe in this thing. Do you, do you think that might be the case as well with some of these true believers? And, and maybe we can get on to who some of these people are. Yeah, it's a good point. And it, it, I think that that's what happens is a lot of these people get, um, you know, we call it the biggest, the biggest conspiracy is the inner conspiracy, right? It's, it's, it's the fact that if somebody feels that they have no inner control and they have no real inner identity, um, they seek to, to project it outwards. And they, that, so they'll, instead of taking control over their own lives, they seek to control other people's lives and they go, Oh, well, 
I don't want to work on fixing myself. I want to fix the world. That's, that's way more fun. It sounds better, doesn't it? Like, I don't want personal responsibility. I want to go and fix the world. Well, isn't that the, the story of all of these guys? So some of them are true believers, but some of them are also sponsored by organizations like the CIA uh, and MI6 and some of these other intelligence cults uh, that I think, uh, you know, they have allegiances to other more shadowy organizations that go behind the scenes that the average person doesn't even get to see. And the only way to get an understanding of that is to study these different cults and these different political regimes, uh, both the public version of it and also the one that's sort of behind the scenes to see what's the ideology of this. Um, you know, think about like the ideology of communism or fascism or socialism or all these isms, right? Um, people believed in it, but it got to a point where it became genocidal, uh, poverty was you know striking and nobody did anything to change it they kept it going and they still are those diehard believers in that vision even though it's been disproven time and time again whereas you know the average person just wants to be left alone by government and and big corporations and all this kind of stuff but for some reason we keep seeing the rise of this type of totalitarian thinking going into our local governments and also internationally into these organizations so if you track the statements of these people, the actions these people have taken, you followed up the chain. If you wanted to get into a little bit about who these people are, um, a lot of people know about the World Economic Forum now, which is really good because I think it was started in like the 70s. Um, the, the new king coming in, in after Queen Elizabeth there, Prince, what is, what's his name? He, he was part of the founding membership with Klaus Schwab. Charles. Of World Economic yep, Charles. Uh, mm -hmm. He's now mandating something called the Terra Carta. Uh, which I did a whole podcast on digging into that. Um, it's fueled with the, it, it's got everything in there with the climate stuff, the globalization, um, the changing of the economy and the transhumanism. And it's all rolled into one. And you're seeing various organizations parrot the talking points of the World Economic Forum. But people don't know about another organization that Klaus Schwab himself has spoken very highly of, which is called the Club of Rome. And uh, I don't, I can get into that, but it's a whole podcast in itself. But if you go to look up somebody named Dr. John Coleman, he wrote a book called The Committee of 300. And it's very enlightening, man. And he speaks mm. explicitly from their own documents, from you know, people that he interviewed back in this, I think it was in the 80s, 70s or 80s. And um, they saw what was going on because they laid it all out. They wrote it all down. It's all written down. And they talk about what the plan of the, of this club of Rome is and who is sponsored by, and uh, it's literally the seizure of the global resources and under one central authority. So whether people want to debate the, the merit of their ideas, the fact that you have a small, unelected, unaccountable group of highly wealthy, influential elites controlling the resources of the entire planet. I know this sounds like a G.I. Joe episode or something, but it's what they're proposing. Uh, I... If anybody doesn't have any questions and they just want to go along with it, I, I don't know what to tell them. For me, I would say, let's take a few lessons from history and you don't have to believe everything I'm saying in my perspective, but at least go look up what they're trying to propose. Read the fine print. Don't just read the advertisements that look nice on the surface. Read the fine print. Look at the history and tell me if you think that the world they're trying to create, Club of Rome, World Economic Forum, this whole thing. Um, is going to be a world that you or anybody you know would really want to live in if you actually mm. 
understood what was what was behind it, where you won't have the right to private property. You're told openly, one of the advertising slogans of the World Economic Forum is that you will own nothing and be happy. I got a problem with that because the first ownership that we have is over our body, our bodily autonomy. This was established in the Nuremberg trials after World War II. And what happened to bodily autonomy over the last three years? Uh, so we got we're already getting a crash course of just the beginning stages of where they want to take this in terms of control. And uh, I got a problem with control freaks. That's just me. I think um, I, I might be a bit pes pessimistic, I suppose. But I think I think maybe and maybe you won't be surprised by this, but I think maybe most people quite like the idea of being controlled. And that's a bit scary. I mean, I used to live in Berlin um, and you'd be amazed that they do polls every now and then. And most most people from the East uh, remember it's, it's even called something. It's like Ost, Ostalgia, because, uh, Ostalgie, Ostalgie, or something like that with East it's like not it's a it's a portmanteau of nostalgia and and the word east uh, eastalgia um and they've got nostalgia for for the east of germany and they, they talk about it as you know it was wonderful and that you know obviously there were some good parts to it i think like women were uh had higher rates of employment and there were all sorts of things that were better but they had no freedom there was no freedom of movement for example you couldn't even go on holiday outside of the east uh it was awful really from from my perspective but that offends berliners a lot of berliners today and it's really interesting to think about so i, I just wonder and it's the same thing I'm, i suppose i'm saying about someone like charles i mean he's probably Probably concerned about his legacy he doesn't need more money and stuff like that he probably thinks that this is going to leave a better mark on the world uh and i suppose that's that's what we're battling with is that most people maybe not people watching this but most people i think are quite happy being controlled well this is a question i mean you can look at uh the milgram experiments the ash experiments which were all uh group psychological experiments to talk about how uh we will go along with the group even if we disagree uh, because we want to save face, we don't want to ruffle feathers, we want to just, it's a tribal instinct that's been with us for a long time. Um, and so the struggle for freedom is, first, it's age old, but the even the concept for the ability for humans to have a concept of what freedom is, first meant that they had to have a concept of what an individual is. Because we never even had that concept before. It was just, we were just tribes, we're just groups, we're just, we were, we, we were bred as slaves in a way, to think as slaves. And, uh, but when we had so many of these brilliant thinkers, philosophers and ideas and, you know, the, the, the whole enlightenment period and the concept that the individual was born, uh, we started building concepts around nationhood and, uh, and, and everything to bring in the principles of freedom and hopefully achieve progress at the same time because uh you know i just feel like to say people prefer prefer being controlled that's just in my opinion arrested development that's just if anybody that is in their center anybody that uh has the knowledge of who they are why they're here where they're going and then there's a system that's fair there's a fair game being played uh people will choose freedom they don't want to be controlled but there's a fear, uh, there is a fear that, oh, I don't, who's little me? I don't know what to do with life. I'll just go to the experts. I'd rather the government tell me what to do. I'd rather the media tell me what to do. Um, and, you know, you can understand it. But what I'm trying to do is wake people up to their true potential, uh, the true nature of who they are, and the, the beauty of freedom and what freedom provides you. And I find it actually shocking that we're sitting here right now, even having that discussion, not, not you and me, but as a culture, that we have to bring this up again 
to talk about freedom when our grandfathers and fathers before them died horrific deaths fighting to try to establish freedom. And yet a lot of people are now just like, oh, freedom is too hard because I have to have personal responsibility. It's like, yeah, there is a price for freedom, but what's the price of losing your freedom? Well, it's the price of losing what it is to be human. Um, and so there is a trade-off always, but uh, you know, we have to try to help re-inspire, especially the younger generations with the principles of freedom so that they understand the benefits of it. And then they understand what they're up against, uh, which is, in my opinion, it's a big smokescreen to try to uh, use those ideas as sort of a narrative weapon in the culture to get people to move away from the concept of freedom. And the reason they want to do it is because, again, the agenda is the control of land, resources and wealth. And if you have a nation of empowered individuals that seek freedom and want to defend it, you can't seize that those resources in that land. You can't do it. So um, this is why we have to resurrect this concept and then just put it in front of people. You, you have the freedom to make your decision on it, right? But uh, do you want a roundtable group of uh, unelected elites in Davos deciding your future and the future for your children? Because what if they decide, oh, you know what? There's too many humans running around. Andrew, there's too many humans and we're going to make the decision as to who stays and who goes and, uh, you know, you guys gave us your freedom. You didn't want freedom. You didn't want the responsibility. So, you know, with that freedom comes our ability to choose uh, your, the way your life is going to be, that you're going to own nothing and be happy. And we're even going to be able to choose who lives and who dies. Um, it, it goes down a really dark road really, really quickly. And so that's why I think we need to empower ourselves again with the principles of freedom. I, I think that I, I think the only place I, I slightly disagree is that it's just human nature. I think just history shows us that they that we don't appreciate freedom. And maybe that's I'm not even disagreeing. I think maybe you agree on that as well. Most people don't appreciate freedom. They don't look at what what has been fought for. They don't. The problem is they never see authoritarianism as authoritarianism it never comes at you from an, a place of evil it never comes in and like it always sort of corresponds with whatever is right in the culture so this great reset sounds like it's just sort of climbing aboard the the sort of excitement about tech everyone's very excited about technology and we're climbing aboard and it seems like it's good you know back in the 1930s it was about eugenics this new scientific thing that everyone was very excited about no one ever thought like we're doing a bad thing uh the bolsheviks oh we're just we're just enforcing um equity equity or whatever it is equality you know nobody then was going oh god we're going to give up we have to give up certain freedoms they were just distracted by what they thought was a greater good or a greater goal um yeah. and that's just going to happen i think you know time it's and right time but again. it's going to happen because of an element that's missing from this equation which is social engineering right the fact that um where do we get our ideas and our information from about anything we get it from yeah. the Twitter. media. We get it from, and who controls the media? Eight corporations and four major investing firms. Uh, yeah. Like, so you start going, okay, well, my opinion on it is generated for me. And this is again about freedom. Well, the first freedom is the freedom to think, the freedom to think, to even make a decision as to whether or not you're going to agree with something or disagree, whether or not you're going to buy something or, or not buy something, right? So, yeah. um, you know, when, when we talk about it, this also brings up the philosophical debate of free will versus determinism, right? The idea that, oh, our human, because this is their argument, which is a very convenient argument, which is that they're going to say humans don't have free will. 
Therefore, we need to have an unelected elite uh, establishment rule every micro micromanage every fine detail of your life for you. Um, you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm frightened by the amount of people that would buy into that. But I also understand that they've been bombarded since their youth, since they were born. Because remember, these agendas we're talking about have been going on since well before you and I got to this planet, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we what I'm saying is that they want to engender the idea that you don't have free will. Therefore, we're going to come back and basically build neo-feudalism again, but with robots and AI. Like, that's that's what it is like the uh, that we were we came out of the dark ages and it was called the dark ages for a reason and it's because there wasn't freedom to be seen anywhere it was just you know, kings queens popes lords ruling serfs you know you couldn't even you had to check with the local mag magistrate as to whether or not you could have a window that was bigger than like a coffee mug you know what i mean like this is where we're getting to is um you know it, it everybody likes the the sales pitch of it but they don't realize this has been bombarded into their minds by this media enterprise, by the education system for a long time. And uh, they're trying to indoctrinate children with the idea that they don't have any free will. It's all you're just controlled by antecedent forces outside your control. Therefore, it justifies a global totalitarian technocracy. I, I just this is where we have to have these discussions and say, let's try to get rid of some of that programming and connect to what you really want in life. And most people, they don't have any big grand designs. They just want to be left alone and go work and provide for their family and have a nice Christmas dinner and or whatever and celebrate what they like to celebrate. Um, but these guys want to change all that because, again, this is the sales pitch because they want to control the markets. They want to control the land and resources. And um, in, in my opinion, if you have any connection to the principle of freedom whatsoever, you're going to be up in arms about it and you're going to be researching it and trying to learn more because uh, in my opinion, the future doesn't look bright in a world that is absent freedom. It only looks like every dystopian science fiction movie you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. There's a scary vision of the future, David, or the present, I should say. Where can you? Where do you want to send people to, to read about it or catch up on your news and stuff? Sure. Well, first of all, I don't want to leave people on a dark note. It's not all lost. There's brilliant things happening all over the world. There's great people fighting and trying to educate. And so if you've been inspired by anything I said today, uh, you can come and check out the work that I do. Uh, you can get it at dwtruthwarrior.com. I've also been releasing a documentary series that people can watch for free. It's called Cult of the Medics, and you can check that out at cultofthemedics.com. Um, and it, it gets into some of this. It also gets into the occult roots of the medical industrial complex. And uh, again, the question of freedom is always at the root of everything that I do. So uh, you can come and check that out over on those websites. And I really appreciate having this chat, man. This has been fun. It's been great, David. Thank you so much and have a lovely Christmas. Thank you, Dave or David Whitehead. Uh, you can follow him on rothkin.com slash dwtruthwarrior. Remember, Dave, David Whitehead is a truth warrior. He, he's into that sort of uh, stuff, the conspiratorial things. Some of it, I'm sure, will be right. There's always grains of truth in all of it. But it's like I said, it's worth sort of using critical thinking, keeping an open mind, seeing both sides to things. But really, really fascinating thoughts, I thought, from him 
Coming up, as you know, got episodes, you know, Aaron Smith-Levin's journey out of Scientology, Dr. Tessa Dunlop on the Royals, Coleman Hughes is coming on, Emma Thorne on atheism. It's all happening. It's all kicking off. So hope you enjoy and I'll see you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.